This is episode number 40 with yoga medicine teacher and entrepreneur, Megan Kearney. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Today I bring you a special woman who started her career as a yoga teacher and has now found a way to let that flourish into something so big and far expanding. Megan is one of about 6,000 worldwide yoga medicine teachers who are all rigorously educated in a fusion of anatomy, physiology, biomechanics with the traditional practice of yoga. Along with that, Megan is the owner of her own yoga studio in the metro Atlanta area called Ebb and Flow. In this interview, Megan dives into the uniqueness of yoga medicine and how it has been changing the lives of others in so many ways, both physically and mentally. Megan talks about her and her husband's mission to help first responders deal with sleep deprivation and depression. She gets into why people who are always acting in service of others, who are always being so selfless, find it very tough to take care of themselves, resulting in some sort of depression. Make sure you share this episode with your friends, nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And while you're listening to this episode, take a screenshot of it and post it on your Instagram stories and tag me and Megan at carrier underscore best you and at Megan Kearney. M-E-G-A-N-K-E-A-R-N-E-Y to let us know your favorite part. But for now, it's time. It's time to work on being our best self today with the one, the only, Megan Kearney. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I've got an amazing episode for you today with this lovely lady, Megan Kearney, with me today. And Megan is a creative vinyasa and thoughtful movement teacher who emphasizes the neuromuscular connection. Uh, you've been a yoga teacher for over 15 years now. And like you just told me, you've had your own yo- yoga studio, Ebb and Flow, for the last five years. And uh, you're part of the yoga medicine teacher uh, teaching faculty. And so I'm Really excited to get into a lot of that stuff, yoga medicine, ebb and flow, uh, the lessons that you learned being an entrepreneur like you were just telling me, um, and then the different classes and uh, curriculums that you're kind of starting to work on now towards sleep deprivation and towards depression and, and all that kind of good stuff. So I appreciate you spending the time with me today, Megan. Awesome. I'm so glad that you could have me on, Nick. Yeah, well, I want to go ahead and start with uh, basically how you got into yoga. You know, I read that you got into yoga through meditation about 25 years ago, and then you've been a yoga teacher for now 15 years. So tell me a little bit about why all of a sudden after like the 10-year gap between those two, why you wanted to become a yoga teacher. Yeah, wow. So, um, yeah, meditation, I was fortunate. I had a friend in college and we swam together and he said, Hey, you've got to read this book on meditation. It's, it's life changing. And I was like, all right, that's, that's a, that's a pitch right there. So I took the book, I read it and I fell in love with meditation. It, It taught me so much about learning to sit with my thoughts, learning to kind of pay attention to what was really going to bring me joy, what my passion was, what I was going to be driven towards. And so meditation became a way for me to quiet all of these thoughts that I had, all these ideas that I had, um, and help direct me towards, towards my goal. And so sitting with those ideas, knowing which way to go has been so powerful in helping me decide the route of a yoga teacher. Um, I ended up creating my degree um, at Maryland. And I oftentimes I refer to the meditation as helping me do that because I probably would have just signed up for any major at the University of Maryland. But I sat with it and was like, this isn't what I want to do. They don't have my major. So I literally went to someone and said, I want to create my degree. And they said, all right, pitch it to us. So I told them I wanted kinesiology. I wanted business. I wanted journalism. I wanted leadership. And I wanted to combine it all together. And they let me do it. And so years later, I was living that. I was getting to say that I used my college degree to its fullest, which there's not many of us out there that get to do that. And, um, and, And I was really enjoying life. And things started to fall apart. I hit my 30s. I was a triathlete. I was a triathlon coach. Um, I was falling. I had fallen off the meditation wagon in that I got so busy. It was the first thing I let go. Um, and so my injury made me kind of sit back. I was running a business. I had to hire people in to help me. It was a personal training business. Um, I had to step away from my triathlon team. 
and really pay attention to myself and take care of myself. And that was the first time that I really started to kind of put my face mask on, take care of my body, myself, pay attention and get back into meditation, um, which eventually just showed me I was kind of off kilter. I wasn't following the path that felt right to me. And I wasn't doing the things that I was passionate about anymore. And so I got myself healthy. I started teaching my triathletes yoga. So that's how I got into teaching it um, was because they were refusing to do it on their own as a part of their training plan. And, uh, and, and really was able to introduce them to meditation as well, using it before races, using it as a recovery tool. Um, and so when we, when we moved south, we decided we were going to just pursue, my husband was going to pursue his passion. He, he, uh, I had supported him in this decision to really quit the six figure, um, business world and go be a firefighter, which was his lifelong dream. He had done it as a volunteer for you know, 15 years prior to doing it full time. And so we just, we picked up, we sold our house and we moved down south where he became a firefighter here and we own our yoga studio. So um, it was really the only reason I went into owning a studio, which is kind of funny is there wasn't anything around here. You yeah. know, I was looking around for yoga and there, the community needed it. Um, so I decided, even though I knew the, the entrepreneurial rule is even though you're good at something doesn't mean you necessarily should go out and run it. Um, so there's some, there's some balance that I learned to being an admin versus being a yoga teacher, um, that the studio has taught me, but it definitely brought yoga more present in my life. And so I kind of say that I had a backdoor into yoga. It was meditation that got me there. We often say in yoga that meditation is the end result anyway. We're, we're hoping to get ourselves to be able to sit still long enough to meditate. So I was kind of already doing the meditation. Um, and that self, that really self study part, which is what's so great about meditation, right? Is that you learn to watch and see and think. I mean, I'll be driving and I'll get angry about something going on in the car and, and I'll go, wow, what is that? Why, why am I reacting that way? And so it really teaches us to, kind of sit back and be a spectator. And I and I don't want to say that like like being a gladiator is a bad thing because it's not. Sometimes we need to get in there and we need to fight for the things that we can change. But it really is a powerful tool to be able to step back to see how you need to move or respond rather than being reactive. And that's why meditation and that what we call in yoga self-study is so important. To, to really helping you figure out what's going to bring you joy, what's going to put you on that path to greatness. Right. You know, I think that it's just a process of self-awareness, right? You being able to take a step back and kind of give yourself the space between stimulus and response and be able to kind of evaluate um, exactly how that stimulus is making you feel and then being able to actually process that and respond accordingly. Um, but what I, what I really liked that you – or picked out that you said was that when you got really busy, meditation was like the first thing that you stopped or the first thing that you may, maybe sacrificed because of that. And I feel like a lot of people probably do that. And I resonated with me because I realized recently that I found myself in a rut and I was like, what the heck is why? And then I realized I had stopped going to church as frequently and stopped practicing my faith as frequently. And I was like, you know what? Why the, why the heck did I stop that when that was like one of the foundations of me being in a in a happy state, if you will. Um, so talk a little bit about like, how can we prevent ourselves from stopping doing those things or making excuses for not doing those things when it seems like other things in our life are or should be a priority? Right. I, I, I feel you. And I think everybody does the same reaction. It's just maybe it's church, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's going to the gym and taking care of themselves, right? And so I think that it comes from whether there's different reasons, you know, all of us come from a different experience. And what I see in my experience is that, that we give it up because it's, it's taking care of us. It's something that we really know feeds us. And therefore, we're like, all right, um, I got to go do this other stuff. Sometimes it can be I got to focus on other people, I've got to take other people, I've got to make this business go. And so we feel like it's sort of a luxury, I think, to take care of ourselves. 
when the reality is it's not, we have to, we have to be our own best friend. Mm -hmm. And, and that includes knowing when you need downtime, giving yourself downtime and boundaries and knowing what's your non-negotiable. Um, if your non-negotiable is going to church or meditating every day or sitting in prayer, um, maybe don't make yourself so stressed out about achieving a certain amount of time or, or, or all how often you want to be there, but make a point to just do it and to, to marinate in the things that make you happy. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I also think that along with being your own best friend is this negative self-talk that we hear we, where we berate ourselves. We're like, you're not good enough to do this or no, why are you doing that? And we would never talk to our best friend or allow our best friend to talk to us that way. And so when we're, when we take the time to really show ourselves that we care about ourselves, like a, like a best friend, um, we can really fuel ourselves and we have to fuel ourselves first before we go and take care of others. And, you know, it's, there, there are four things to finding your joy and, and it's that self practice or self awareness. It's, um, it's practicing gratitude on a, on a daily basis. And it's taking care of you, being your best friend. And then it's service. It's giving to others and turning that action into action um, rather. So, yeah, I think it's the first thing to go. I know for me, it was absolutely, I got busy with my kids. I felt like I needed to take care of them. I needed to, I've got students that need my attention. And, you know, I can see it. When I teach, I can see it. If I am not on the mat practicing and doing a daily meditation practice, um, and we've been through, it's been a rough year for us here in our house, but every single day I, and I had a teacher teach this to me. And so I do it, um, is I just, before I get out of bed, I fold my hands and I just list things that I'm grateful for that, you know, and it can be so small. It can be like, I'm breathing, you know, <laughs> cause when you're in the suck, you've got to just find the things, right. And they're like, okay, I'm breathing, I'm moving. I've got a house over my head, you know, roof over my head, all of these things and starts to build, build a little bit more resilience for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I really, uh, I think that I, your whole answer kind of, to me, sounded like this, where the fact you have to be super aware to what, like you were aware that meditation was the thing that helped you after like realizing that you, you were in a tough place because you stopped doing it. And like, I realized that I was in a tough place because I stopped going to church. It's like, you have to go through that self-awareness process of like, why am I going through this? Like, what, why am I in a rut right now? And then I really liked the phrase, the powerful phrase that you used of make it a non-negotiable. It's yeah. like, if you're aware that it's something that is helping you out so much, then have the discipline to make it a non-negotiable and something that you're going to do on a regular basis. Like the meditation, like the gratitudes and things like that, and just be able to implement that into your life. Yeah, it's, it's baby steps. I, I when I teach meditation, my students get really hung up on, I'm just going to go as long as I can meditate, or I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit there, set the timer and see how long I can do it. Like it's a race. And I said, No, we're, we're training the brain to sit and not to sit until we're done thinking, but to sit until we tell it we're done. And so start with just two minutes, you know, don't make it a big thing. Do it in your car before you go into work, park the car, sit there for two minutes and meditate or immerse yourself in prayer. You know, I, I heard a quote once and, and it, it's interesting because you had said church and it made me think of it, um, that prayer is us talking to God and meditation is us listening. And so the, the two can be really powerful if you use them together. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so when we're having these tough moments, let's, a lot of people always have stressed out moments like in a state of depression. How do you begin to work yourself out of that? Like, is it trying to continually work on being more self-aware or like what is the key to start working out of it? Yeah, it's absolutely that self-study. And and I don't speak from depression from from having it myself, but I did go through a bout of PTSD and found myself as a scientist actually kind of amazed where I was watching my body just lose control where I couldn't actually stop myself. And I had to, and I asked my therapist, I said, 
first of all, I'm fascinated by this process of my body's response to this stress. And he said, well, I need you to, to take your science hat off and take care of yourself here. Um, because breath and awareness is the key, right? So he started to teach me some tools that I already had in my toolbox, but bringing them out and saying, look, notice that when that, when that stressor starts, your breath changes. And that takes a great deal of awareness. And I think most of us are moving through our day at such fast paces that we don't have a chance to really evaluate where we are um, emotionally, mentally, physically, even down to what does my breath feel like? What is what is joy feel like? What is sadness? What is the physical response happening in my body? Like not many of us, I think a lot of us are detached from that. Um, and that's where we start to get hung up on vices and things that could maybe fill or make those things feel better. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, I think it starts with coming to the really basic breath and awareness. And, you know, uh, my husband could speak to it. He, the work that we're doing now with depression and sleep deprivation, um, especially among first responders is, is real. I mean, in 2017, the number of suicides among first responders was higher than the line of duty death. And so the key we believe is meditation. And we've seen a huge change in him being able to sit with his thoughts, um, which really initially started out as uh, quite negative and berating and asking him why he was doing what he was doing and, and telling him things that, again, that best friend would never say. Right. Um, and so not to um, not to say that it's the cure for depression or what anyone's going through, because I think that there's there's a whole there's a whole bunch that goes into to healing you when you deal with depression or PTSD or anxiety or any of those mood disorders that you might find. I think that meditation, breath work can be a great asset. Right. Yeah, I definitely I completely agree. There's not just like one thing that you need to do to be, to be able to get out of it, right? It's just, I think a lot of people probably feel like, I don't know what to do at all right now. So it's yeah. just like what, maybe like an initial step to do. So I think, you know, the meditation and the breathing thing is, is powerful. And I want to get into uh, first responders. But first, I, I picked out something that you talked about earlier. You went, you, you're talking to your therapist and the, he, you said that he brought up or gave you some things in your toolbox, but that you really already had, but you weren't necessarily practicing or doing all the time. And I think yeah. that kind of goes to the point where a lot of us know what to or know things that we should do, but don't do what we know. So what's the, what's the like what's the difference between people who actually do what they know they should, between the people who don't do what they know? <laughs> if that makes sense. Like they actually take action on it. What's the difference between the person that takes action on what they know they should do from the person who just kind of sits in their laurels, if you will? Yeah, I don't know. It, I, there, there could be anything stopping that. It could be the fear of moving forward. You know, we were talking the other day. I, I happen to really love growth. I, I thrive in it. And a, and a really dear friend of mine the other day was talking about this tough year that I've been through. Um, my husband and I both. And she was like, you know, the difference is that you don't just sit on the fence going, man, this really sucks. I don't know if I want to get in there. She said, you are like, yes, like that's going to help me grow. It sucks right now, but I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to go, go get in with those feelings. And, and that's a scary thing to do. And some people can do that on their own, right? Some people can be with those feelings, can meditate through and work through it. And then others are going to need some help. You know, they're going to need to to seek out people that can help them do that work um, and help build their toolbox to get them to the next step. Um, I have a, a client that I work with and, and I keep saying, I think I really should maybe talk to somebody, find a good therapist and work with them um, because the work that we're doing is, is helpful. Um, but it's just not getting him there to the next step. So, and that's beyond my scope of, of work and knowledge base that I have. And, and that's what I think is so amazing about yoga medicine is it gives these teachers the opportunity to be kind of the continuing care from therapists and um, doctors and orthopedics and uh, physical therapists 
to send their clients to us because we have a knowledge of the research and the science and we can carry out the remainder of the work so that there's this this comprehensive care that's continuing. Because how many times do people go to someone and it's just like, all right, your time's up, insurance has stopped paying for it, now what, right? So um, I think it's important that our teachers are, are trained and um, taught the research and what's out there currently to be helpful for their students, but also to recognize, okay, what are some red flags that we can then send our students and say, hey, I think you should go see this person or this specialist to get some some bigger help. So what what would trigger those people to actually go see help? Because I think a lot of times it's like it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to uh, maybe admit to yourself that you need to go see help, or sometimes you just kind of like see the importance of it, and then it's like, uh, like maybe it's not going to help me. So like, what do you have to instill in those people that you're talking to to make them actually go take action and yeah. and go see it? Is there anything oh, in particular? Like, I guess, like, what 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 did your therapist give you to make you start doing some of those things that you hadn't been doing? Again, like it was, it was an easy sell for me because I'm all about growth, and I'm yeah, like, okay. oh, okay, yeah, let's do that. And for others, you can lead them to water, and it's really up to them; it's their choice. So they either want to see the the current situation proliferate, proliferate, where they just stay there and they stay kind of stagnant. I liken it to being on an old record where you're stuck in that same song over and over again, and and help getting the help, whether it's taking the next step and seeing a therapist or maybe it's doing the meditation work and starting to work small baby steps of breath work and meditation to help you jump that track to the next song. Um, but it's their work, right? It's their experience. And you can only talk with them and be open and honest about your experience and, and how it's helped you. And I think that alone in creating a community that wants to talk about mental health that that's open to saying, yeah, I'm a, I go to a therapist. I work with someone on a regular basis. Even that is taboo. I, I can't tell you how many times I have students that are shocked that I do that. I'm like, yeah, I, I know what I know. And I know enough to know that I also have to have somebody in my corner to check in and watch me. Right. And just to make sure I'm on that path, the right path. So Gosh, I wish there was a, an answer that you could yeah, say, right. this is what it's going to be and this is how we're going to get them there. But, you know, in my experience, like with my, use my husband an example, because we talk about this quite frequently. Um, we went months before he actually saw a doctor and it was really, I, I just waited it out. And he finally got diagnosed six months after his, his initial break of depression, his bout of depression. And, Within five minutes, the doctor had diagnosed him with sleep depression, severe sleep depression and severe um, or sleep deprivation, excuse me, and severe depression. And it was like a light bulb moment for him. He was like, oh, my gosh, what have I been doing? But then also it was it took him another two months to slowly climb out of it from there. So even though cognitively he he knew what was going on he still had this voice there kind of in his head and so the work of coming home and doing yoga and meditating a lot of self-care and learning that you just can't work yourself to death and and for him as a person that lives in service who who has this calling to run into a burning building when most people are running the other way um, for him to learn self-care is is so key. And it's so hard for those men and women to do that, too. So and that's, you know, that's why we, we are doing what we're doing is to teach them how to take care of themselves. Yeah, that's awesome. I was actually one of the questions I was going to ask just came their answer came very apparent. And I was going to say, like, why is so tough for or why do first responders, you know, you mentioned how like they're, I forget the exact stat, but they're more likely the suicide rate is higher. And I was gonna be like, why is that? But I guess it's just because like, they're so about service of other people and so selfless and always, always giving, giving, giving to where they don't always take care of themselves as much. Um, yeah. And I think that vulnerability, in my experience, vulnerability on that, in that line of work is, is definitely seen as a weakness. Um, you don't want to sit around the table of your guys and talk about 
Um, for instance, you know, he talks about a suicide call that they had and, and it was a young, young kid in his twenties and it was a rough call and his body had been there for days, for weeks actually. And their debriefing, uh, they just sat there and he, Kevin said, you know, I can, I can still smell the body. And yet nobody wants to say that nobody wants to say this is, I'm struggling with this. Because these are the guys that you need to know that have your back going into this. Um, and so it's really important that for us in our mind that off shift, we create a community, a safety net for these guys and gals in this line of work to be able to, to, to express themselves, to talk about the struggles of their jobs. It doesn't make them any weaker. It doesn't make them it doesn't make them terrible at their job, but it helps give them an outlet. Well, I think that's so cool that you guys are that you guys are doing that for people who need, need it so much because they're because they're just so giving and so selfless. Um, but we've t- mentioned it a couple times now. Uh, yoga medicine. I've mentioned it. You've talked a little bit about it. So I want you to give everybody a little bit of background and so they know what the heck we're talking about um, into what yoga medicine is and a little bit how you got into it. Yeah. So. Yoga medicine was started and founded by Tiffany Cruikshank, um, who's a phenomenal yoga teacher and a licensed ac- licensed acupuncturist and um, an international yoga teacher. And she is just absolutely amazing. And she saw a need to create or rather bridge the gap between medicine and the yoga world. And so she created this teacher training um, that is not only just a 200, which I'm on the faculty for, but also an additional advanced course for the 500 and going on. I think right now she's the, she's the only one I know that's got a thousand and I think 2000, if I'm not misspeaking. Um, so you can train for a good long while with yoga medicine and, and she's created a research foundation that Veroline Nopic runs. Um, really making sure that we're getting the best data on yoga and meditation and how it's affecting. We're using drawing and metadata to, to really see where our efforts are helping and affecting people, um, where yoga is needed, but also training teachers that, um, here's the body, here are the specifics. Like I said earlier, creating this continuity of care of when someone leaves to the therapy, how can we help them in yoga? You know, yoga should be modified to their body and not necessarily them trying to get themselves stuck into the shape. So um, all of our teachers come to the program and they're trained um, in all of the latest. Um, they select modules. So the more advanced training programs are module based. So you could do it strictly on shoulder, or spine, or mental health. Um, and how does yoga play into that? Um and so we're doing great work. We have a huge community. There's, uh, I think, about 6,000 of us around the world. Um, wow. So a really big fellowship, which is also what makes it so amazing. You have some like-minded individuals, all who practice what we preach. Um, and so it really is a, a phenomenal group of men and women who really want to see yoga become a, a little bit more predominant in in treatment and and in assisting or so to speak a toolbox if we go back to that of of how someone can take care of themselves overall wellness wow that's cool so when you guys go through the training you know you talked about how there's different specific modules but what really like sets apart yoga medicine training compared to like traditional yoga training yeah, well, traditional yoga training at like a 200 level, which is your basic week, I, I consider it like the bachelor's degree of yoga, right? If you were to kind of break it down. And, and that's overseen and uh, in a national program. And you, they can vary. I mean, it really depends upon the school's desire and what they want to focus on. And so the minimum requirements, I believe, is 20 hours of anatomy. And so yoga medicine, obviously takes that to a a larger degree, really teaching and honing in on anatomy and kinesthetics. How does the body move? How are we moving? And then as you progress in doing more advanced trainings, you learn about um, issues of integrity or things that you might see in a shoulder or in the spine that 
uh, create some contraindications and need a little bit more focus in terms of how can yoga help them now? How can yoga create strength in this joint, mobility in this joint? Um, how can we take them out of pain? And, you know, pain's an interesting topic as well as depression and um, mental health, but pain is related to our brain. And, and they oftentimes can say now in research, the status of where we are in our, our level of stress can indicate or be a precursor to how, how we tolerate pain. And so we're living in this really high stress pressure cooker of a world with a lot going on. And pain management has become an issue. People come to us because they don't know where else to turn. Um, and so it's either yoga or maybe it's drugs, medication. Opioids is a huge epidemic that we're dealing with. And so more and more people need an option and yoga becomes that option. So yoga medicine provides that training and provides that bridge for that gap. Has there been a gap that yoga, how long have you been doing yoga medicine now? Oh gosh. Um, I did my first advanced training in 2016. Okay, great. Uh, and so I've been with them ever since started teaching with them last year. So has there been a specific gap that you've realized that yoga medicine has filled in your life? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mentioned here back at home, we, when I come home, I teach, I bring in doctors, I bring in PTs, I bring in surgeons, ortho surgeons, and we bring them in for what we call our comprehensive care breakfast. And we just show them what we're able to provide. We follow through, we in no way diagnose um, and, and create prescriptive um routines, but we do offer things for people that would be helpful to strengthen the shoulder. Again, we're not telling them this is what's wrong. We have some red flags that we train our students so that they know when to send them. When is yoga not going to be helpful? Um, and when do they absolutely need to see a doctor? And and how can you use yoga to help them? And and that hasn't existed. I think that's that was a missing piece. I think we knew that yoga could be helpful um, in sort of this kind of um, intangible way, but now we specifically yoga medicine is so science based um, that we see it in a very tangible way how it can be helpful. Yeah, it sounds so. It sounds like it's helpful in so many different ways. But I'm I'm curious to ask you. You've been doing it since 2016 now, so almost two and a half years. Um, was there been anything that's like the most common like question, most common problem, or? just like a common theme that you see with a lot of people who come to you? Oh gosh. Uh, I would say back pain. Absolutely. Hands down back pain. And uh, they've been to doctors. They've been to pain management therapy. They've had injections. They've tried everything. Um, I have, they've had surgeries and they're, they're at their wits end. And I think depression can seep in, right? Obviously, if we're not able to move and participate, we can't serve or do what we're called to do. And we start to, to feel like we're less than and feel like we're never going to get out of it. And it becomes, it becomes like this, this pain, um, like mind storm, I think, where we get kind of drawn into it. And so by using yoga, using meditation, you can help. Obviously, we're helping the perception of the pain. We're trying to help them. Some of them will always be in pain, right? That's not something everybody wants to hear, but pain is, is a part of life. And so um, if we're running away from it, what, ha what would happen if we treated it differently, if we looked at it differently, if we made friends with the pain rather than trying to always push it away? And so our, our thing is, how do we get you moving? How do we not make it hurt so bad and get you, uh, get you into a program or a yoga practice where it's helpful and at least keeping you mobile? Gotcha. Um, so we talked a little bit about the, uh, your work with first responders and how your husband um, was a firefighter. And you guys are writing a book, correct? Yes. Awesome. Cool. So I want to want you to talk a little bit about um, hit the early days of him going into firefighting and the different challenges and and kind of now like why you're writing the book, why you guys are writing the yeah, book together. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> you're like, where to begin? 
<laughs> He's been a firefighter since I met him. Um, and he pursued a career. He actually worked for FEMA. He was involved in 9-11. Um, re really good friends of, of ours. Still to this day, I think those guys bonded over what they went through. And they've been close. But he was with Urban Search and Rescue when 9-11 happened. So he's very tied in and connected with the guys up in New York. Um, so it really hit home. And, and I saw firsthand how a really traumatic event could affect someone's mental health. And, um, and so that experience and then parlayed into him becoming a full-time firefighter, uh, which I'm really blessed. He shares a lot with me because I guess I, I'm in anatomy. I do cadaver work. Um, there's not a whole lot that upsets me or gets me gets me uh, my stomach turned, so to speak. So I hear a lot, but a lot of the guys and gals tend to go home and just stuff it and deal with it and, and not want to impress that or share it with their families. And it was, it's also a career that doesn't necessarily pay well. So a lot of the the guys and gals will go and get second jobs and, and actually end up creating this vicious cycle of, of not taking care of themselves, not resting their brain, not restoring their body before they go back on shift. Right. And so we've started to see, especially in our experience where Kevin was just working himself to the bone making ends meet and was having these calls. He works uh, down here, actually, his volunteer station is busier than his full-time career station here in Georgia. Um, but, you know, it's a college town, so they get these kind of silly calls. They'll wake up in the middle of the night, and they'll they'll get up and go do them and come back. And it was starting to really wear on him. And sleep deprivation, I think, is something that sneaks up on people. It's, it's you know, we think, oh, one night sleep, whatever. Um, but it really is, if, if you look at the research it starts to build up and affect your aging process, your how your brain heals. In fact, the most recent research that I've seen is, is that we need that deep sleep to help remove cell waste out of the brain, right? So that we have healthy brains. We're not living in a brain fog. Well, who do we need to make good split decisions in a moment's notice? And it's our first responders. And so um, we absolutely need to help take care of their brains. Um, and sleep deprivation is sort of the, the, the entryway into depression and, and there's PTSD obviously that gets affected from that, from the job and what they see. Um, but a lot of them, we see high divorce rates, high drinking alcoholism rates, um, suicide rate is, is off the charts, 20% higher than the, than the public. Jeez. And so it's really it's really a public health issue for our first responders as we expect so much from them. Um, we should give back for sure and talk about this. It's it's not anything that makes them weak. It actually makes them stronger. Right. I think it's really cool how y'all's lives are very integrated in terms of kind of like what you're doing. And you've kind of a lot of that was I feel like a lot of that. You created y'all yourselves, but a lot of that just kind of happened as well. Um, so I feel like you guys have a lot of conversations together and deep conversations. What's like the biggest lesson that you think that you have learned from your husband? Oh my gosh! Oh, biggest lesson. He he is absolutely fearless and brave. Um, and to to work with him through his depression and to hear the the thoughts in his head and the the things that he was grappling with um is heartbreaking i've never experienced depression and yet to hear him go through even feeling like he had to fake a smile and fake like he had to do things is just painful and and i don't know how he would get up every day um i just I just think he's so courageous and brave and he's so amazing for wanting to share this story and talk about it with his brothers and sisters and, and get a conversation going. Um, because we see alcohol, like we said, we see alcoholism and divorce and, um, and uh, infidelity, all these things on the rise because of an offshoot of a job that they love to do that they're passionate about. Um, and it can be solved. All of that can be fixed. We can take care of that. So, um, I would say bravery. He's absolutely the most courageous person I've met. Mm. 
So you're developing classes in a curriculum to help first responders, right? Yeah. So we're starting an organization called the Stronger Shield Project. And it's about helping first responders once they're off shift in the community. There's some great organizations that are doing work at the departments, but our focus is on training yoga teachers and providing a safety net when they're off shift. So we'll have content, um, we'll have curriculum of classes, teaching yoga teachers how to invite them into our community. And long term, we're hoping that as a nonprofit, we will actually fund studios and teachers for offering the classes for free because we absolutely don't want to charge our first responders for these classes. We want it to be karma. We want people to pay it forward and support this program, strategic partners to come on board to support the program so that we can really reach out to our first responders, bring them into a studio, create a community of all of them. So officers laying on mats next to firefighters, next to medics, next to ER doctors and personnel. Um, and dispatch, you know, we tend to forget about telecommunications so that they really would have a community where they focus and, and the curriculum would be very specific to how do we heal the brain? How do we get them ready for their next shift? How do we strengthen them physically, make them more responsive? Um, but also providing them content, like for firefighters, one of the things we're working on right now is a breathing technique to help them get back to sleep after their adrenaline has gone through the roof in the middle of the night, right? So, um, there'll be content available and, and we're really excited to grow this part of our life because this is obviously our passion. Right. It sounds so cool. And you touched on it a little bit, but I want you to see if you can dive a little bit deeper because I think creating a curriculum and creating content and that whole development process, because you guys are trying to make it like so specific to this group of people, I'm sure there's like a lot that goes into it. So I, I want you to talk a little bit more to how, like I, how you guys are going about specifically identifying what the problems are and then how to specifically create something and develop something that goes to answering and fixing that problem. Yeah. So you actually touched on it earlier. Kevin and I are the perfect blend together, the two of us. <laughs> and so his degree actually from college is an emergency health services degree. He has a lot of connections there in the industry. And so we're reaching out to them. We're looking at research. We're getting experiential information, talking to guys, having these discussions and and really trying to fine tune as we go. And the biggest thing is providing the classes and seeing how the experience works. Um, and, you know, we had an opportunity last week, he went away to love your brain. It was an interesting story. He, he actually met one of my students, uh, who I work with, who's a TBI traumatic brain injury, uh, thriver. And it turned out this was one of Kevin's, uh, victims who had been in a car accident two years ago and Kevin backboarded him, sent him off to the hospital. Two years later, he's at my studio without him knowing it, doing yoga. And so uh, neat kind of full circle. He went with Justin to love your brain last uh, week in Maine for their retreat. And he found it so therapeutic for him. He came back and said, this is this is what we need to do for for first responders and their spouses, because that's the thing is there there is an entire family that's probably behind this one person who's also affected. Right. And so bringing that that person in that spouse in and and taking care of them for a weekend retreat, teaching the spouse like this is what they're going through. This is what sleep deprivation does to you, giving them tools to recognize when their partner is in in need. Right. And so, um, yeah, we're we're constantly learning. We're we're calling upon people that we've known in the industry for a really long time. We're fortunate we've been in this family of first responders for over 25 years. Um, so we know a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah, you guys are definitely the uh, the perfect two to attack something like this. Um, so is there anything about yoga medicine or about uh, y'all's work with first responders that we haven't touched on yet? that you want to share? I know we've got a good amount on it, but I didn't know if anything was. No, I mean, I think that anybody that might be looking 
to really deepen uh, deepen their work in yoga in the in the anatomical sense, but also to learn more about the physiology of the body and how the brain works, and how can yoga meditation and breath work really assist people who are dealing uh, with conditions. Um, that affect any of that or all of the wellness, then yoga medicine might be for you. And I would really encourage um, them to look into it. It is a phenomenal community. Almost all of my best friends now are, are spread out across the world and they're in this program. And it's it's just a beautiful thing to um, have such a strong community behind you as you're learning, to know that the research is going to be there to support what we're doing. Um, and continue to, to grow. And, and there's a, a huge service component to what yoga medicine does as well with our Seva work in India. So I can't say enough about the program. I'm ever, I'm so grateful to Tiffany, um, because she's really created a phenomenal, um, teaching uh, curriculum as well as staff and faculty. And it's just, it's just a great group. So they should definitely look into it. Cool. Awesome. Well, the next question I want to ask is, I like to ask a question about uh, vision and kind of what you see for yourself down the road. So I always start off by asking the age question. So how old are you currently? (laughs) I'm going to be 43 this summer. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Sometimes I get different responses when I ask the age question. (laughs) I get better as I age. I just feel like more, this is what I want to do. This is who I am, you know, non-apologetic, very confident. So, so so cool. So cool. So you're 43 and 10 years down the road, inevitably you're going to be 53. Um, so what does 53, 53 year old Megan look like? What have you accomplished and what are you currently doing? Oh gosh, 53 year old Megan is, uh, I've actually, I work on this all the time. So this is, this is actually an easy question for me. Um, we're going to be traveling. We want to see the world. We want to get to know our, our brethren around the world in terms of our brothers and sisters in first responding. Um, we're hoping to do it by sailing. We really enjoy sailing. Um, so that's our goal. My kids will be graduated and and our goal is just to keep running the businesses that we have the studio to be a foundation in this community that we live in um as well as our nonprofit work with stronger shield to continue and just spread the word so be a li- like what is that semi-retired but not really yeah, yeah. <laughs> no that's yeah but i think I think uh, if you complete, I think if some people completely retire, you kind of lose some sort of purpose and you learn lose some, yeah. some sort of mission. So you got to have that drive still. Yeah, it's it's going to be work that is um, that's sustainable. You know what what we do is very easily something that we can continue to do for the rest of our lives. So um, we're happy to to continue to to evolve that as it changes as our as aging happens and do it as gracefully as possible. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, before I ask the last question, I want to acknowledge you, Megan, because I think it's really cool when people go through specific things in their lives and are very aware of how they have kind of worked their way maybe out of it or just to the next chapter or to the next step. And I feel like that's something that you and your husband have been done such a great job of is like you have both been in like different spots in your lives that were maybe challenging and you're aware of kind of the different things that you guys have been able to do to work out of it and it's always a constant process but now you're because of your awareness you're looking to demonstrate and help other people who might be going through the same or at least similar things and help them because of the experiences that you've had. So I think that's super cool for you to be able to super, to be super aware and then to be willing to give that back to other people yeah, is even 10 absolutely. times cooler. Thanks, man. I I'm excited too. It's the hero's journey, right? I gotta go, I gotta go share it now. <laughs> awesome. Well, I know people are going to want to be able to learn a little bit more about yoga medicine and ebb and flow and all the good stuff that you got going on. So where can people support you more and all that good stuff? Yeah, so they can um, probably right now the best place find me on Instagram, Megan Kearney. Um, they we we have a, a new website that's going up for StrongerShieldProject.org, so that'll be coming. Um, and as always, they can find a yoga medicine teacher through the yoga medicine website. Um, I'm in Atlanta or out just outside of Atlanta, but there's teachers all over the world that they can access and talk to and and work with. 
Cool. When, what's that website? It's on the yoga medicine teacher. Yoga medicine.com, I think. And under a uh, search for a teacher tool. Cool. Awesome. Well, very good. Well, the last question I always like to ask people is I feel that becoming the best version of yourself is a constant journey. I don't think we're ever at the best version of ourselves. Maybe like the, the la- our last day, we can have the confidence that we got close enough. And I also believe that becoming the best version of yourself is a very unique journey. Like I believe that the way I'm going to become the best version of myself is going to be different than the way that you're going to become the best version of yourself. So what I want to ask for you personally is if you could currently do or work on three things to get closer to that best version of yourself? What are those three things that you would currently do or currently work on? Oh, wow. Okay. So I just did this last week. Um, so I appreciate you <laughs> being right on it with the question. Um, so I did uh, green light, yellow light, red light. And for me, it was really um, the three things would be uh, making some time for myself. So I started to peel out to kind of really segment what, what classes do I want to keep on the schedule at my local community and then parsing out time for myself to really take care of myself. Cause I'm, we're quite busy here with kids and, and this new organization that we're running. Uh, the second was just, um, I'm going to give myself two weeks to say no. Um, I have people asking me to buy things, to do things, to do this and that. And I've just had decided that I'm going to say no for a couple weeks and let myself just settle. So that's kind of big for me because I love to say yes to everything. Um, and then I would say the third is, is just, I, oh, is, is that downtime? I spent the last weekend in my garden getting my feet in the dirt and it felt amazing. And I was like, these are the things that continue to bring me joy ground me, bring me back to nature and make me see that I'm all part of this bigger fabric. And I need to do more of that. So my goal is to to get outside more actually I'm getting rid of my stationary bike so that it makes me get outside and, and walk and be more in nature. So those are my three. Awesome. Well, I want to give you permission to do that third, the third thing more and more, because I think it, to me, it came full circle, right? When you said that in the sense that we talked about early on, how meditation was the first thing that you dropped when you got busy, but it was the thing that helped you the most. And those things are there. And thing number three are the things that bring you joy, bring you happiness and that help you so much. So got to stick with it and keep doing those things. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a blast. Yeah, definitely. Appreciate you coming. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with one friend or family member. Just take the link from the podcast or just text them. Hey, check this out, nickcarrier.com slash podcast, and it'll take them right to the episode. Guys, we want to spread this message, so help out. If you know someone who is so, so giving to other people or always acting in service of others but might not take care of themselves in the best way, send them this episode. Be someone else's hero today by sharing with them the lessons and the knowledge that Megan shared today so that they might be able to start changing their life. To learn more about Megan, you can follow her on Instagram at Megan Kearney, and you can learn more about yoga medicine at yogamedicine.com. Those of you in the metro Atlanta area, go check out her and her husband's Ebb and Flow Studio, which has so many great services from yoga classes to flotation pods. Remember to make time for yourself. It's okay to say no sometimes to slow life down and to give yourself some downtime to do things that bring you energy. These are the things that have rung true and have proven successful in Megan's life, and I know they're not just unique to her. But now you know what time it is. It's time to go out and upgrade yourself today to get closer and closer to your best you. We'll be right back.